Welcome to Flock Talk, Flock Talk, the podcast where we feature your favorite authors and narrators. Hosted by Craig Hart and Sarah Hannon. Visit us today at pinkflamingoproductions.com. And now, Flock Talk. Well, all you happy flockers out there, and welcome to Flock Talk. My name is Craig Hart, and I'm here with my reliable co-host, Sarah Hannon. Sarah, how are you doing today? Good. I'm so reliable. I was half an hour early for this interview, and and <laughs> yesterday we had a staff meeting. I was half an hour early for that. So it's wow. not that I'm bad at writing things down. It's that I am reliable, and I'm taking it, and I'm running with it, and that is the story. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. Awesome. Well, uh, speaking of reliability, we have another awesome guest. Do you want to hit us off of the bio there, Sarah? Yes. Andrea K. Stein, the daughter of a trucker and an artist, never knew it would take the hard work ethic of her father to achieve the light-filled magic of her mother's art. A newspaper and publishing professional for 30 years, she ran away to the sea for three years, delivering yachts up and down the Caribbean and earning a USCG offshore captain's license. Now she tells award-winning tales of the high seas from her writing room in Colorado. Hi, Andrea. It's so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Sarah. I am fascinated by that bio. Me too. (laughs) You must have a lot of stories about the sea. I do. I do, and that's what I put in my novel. So great. Any storms at sea? I'm always fascinated by those. Um, you know, we did. Ha- I had one where we were delivering a yacht from uh, the boat show up in uh, Annapolis, and we were taking a, a brand new boat down to Marsh Harbor, and um, uh, a huge hurricane had just swept along the coast and gone through Marsh Harbor in the Bahamas, and the sea was very rough. It was blowing about 60 knots, which is about 65 miles an hour. Mm. And um, yeah, and we had to stop the boat because it couldn't sail. It was overwhelmed. It was only a 38 footer. And uh, so we had to do (laughs) only. So we had to do something called heaving to where you back the sails and then the boat just kind of rocks like a cork in one place. And uh, that was uh, very interesting. And a lot of people ask me, weren't you terrified? You don't have time to be terrified. You're working. You're working as fast as you can to stay alive. And at one point, I got a radio uh, transmission from a huge uh, cruise ship. (laughs) And he's like, are you okay? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're fine. And uh, so, you know, we did did fine. I I worked with um, uh, this very experienced British delivery captain for three years. And he taught me so much about the sea. And I never really felt like it was dangerous out there with him. We, mm. we, did, we really, um, we went through a lot, but we survived. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always amazing. read in books and seen in movies and I've always wondered like, mm-hmm. what is the correct way to hit a wave? Well, you want to slice through it. You don't want to hit it broadside. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's, the, but if you have a ship that's properly weighted, it will do what it needs to do. Once, once, you, once you have set it to be uh, stationary, it will hit the waves the way it needs to um, because the ships are designed there. It was a, most of the ships I delivered were Beneteau's, and that's a French company that has a factory in Charleston, South Carolina, and they have wonderful ship designers. Um, they, they sail so well on the ocean. I, I really never had a, a problem. 
it's hard work. It's really hard work, but um, I loved it. It was fun. Did you ever pretend the yacht was yours? Oh, of course. (laughs) (laughs) course. (laughs) That's what I do. I make stuff up. (laughs) Yes, I did. And uh, I did a little series of, of three contemporaries a few years ago. Well, actually, 2017. And they were based on super yachts, which are like the Benetos. And so I set those romances on that. And uh, I had a lot of fun with it. I went to a lot of boat shows to see exactly how those big yachts, uh, how they're laid out. And uh, it was a lot of fun. Well, speaking of making things up, tell us a little bit about your path to becoming an author from the sea. What was that transition like? Well, um, I was in the newspaper publishing business for 30 years. And then I spent maybe. eight years, I think at least, um, as a consultant to commercial printers. And I had a little publishing company that I did that this out of. And my company was bought by uh, a printer out of Quebec, uh, Transcontinental Imprimerie. And uh, once they bought it, I was kind of, uh, I did a few more consulting gigs, but I decided, you know what, I'm going to just go to sea. I always wanted to go to sea, and that's what I did. So one of the things I admire about writing as a career, profession, hobby, is that yeah. you don't you, you can start it at any any time. Do you think you have to be born a writer, or do you think that like going through all those life experiences like you had can make basically anyone a writer? I think writing is something, and... Uh, you know, people come to me and say, you know, I have a great idea for a book. Yeah, I, I'll give you the idea and well, you write it. And I'm like, <laughs> no, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, I think writers um, are writers. I think we just, you, if you don't write because you have to write, then it's, it's really going to be a hard job because I do three or four books a year. And it, that's really hard work. If you don't really right from a well of what, you know, of happiness or, or that you love, of things you love, then it's going to be, it's going to be hard work. And I think it's going to show through to your readers. I think they'll, they'll feel that when they read your books that you're kind of, you know, you're trying too hard, but I don't know. I'm not an expert, but I've always been a writer. I, I wrote for newspapers. I was an editor. I was a photographer. And in between, I always wrote. I'm constantly writing stuff. So I, I guess maybe there's a way to decide to be a writer and then, you know, figure it out. And I'm sure a lot of people do that, but I, I wouldn't, I don't think I could. You have a regular output of books. Uh, what is your writing schedule like? Do you write every day? Do you have a daily word limit? How does that work for you? I have a, a writing group that we have a, a Zoom account and we, we get together once a week to do critiques, but every morning at 10, we do um, a sprint, a writing sprint. So I close the door and I have this little guy right here. See him? Yeah. <laughs> That's my monkey. I t- Ladies I and gentlemen, we were looking at a monkey egg timer. It was a monkey-shaped egg timer. <laughs> yeah, okay. it is. And so that's how I write. And I can do, uh, okay, per hour, I do 1,500 to 2,000 words in an hour. Mm-hmm. When I get towards the end of a book and uh, the writing is going really well, I will do maybe two to four of those sprints throughout the day. Um, And so then 
the, earlier this year, I have, I've already put out two books this year. The last one came out in May, May 24th. And so I am taking some time off to give my brain a rest in my hands because I've got carpal tunnel going on, of course. Uh, but in between, when you're a writer, you're always thinking about the next book or two books down the line. And so I'm, you know, constantly plotting, thinking about, you know, what's what's the next thing I'm going to do. And the, the books that I'm working on now, I have two more this year. And one, I'm kind of in the first third of it, which is a Christmas book that comes out uh, December 4th. And then I have another one at the end of the year that's going to be a lot of fun. It's called Sex, Lies, and Forbidden Desires. And it's a can Regency. I narrate that? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> it's a Regency. Uh, it's a Regency series that is has the most bizarre characters, and it was so much fun. And I'm writing it with Louisa Cornell, who is a hoot. So and we're two little old ladies who love to write, and so <laughs> that's we're starting that series. Probably books one and two will be out by the end of the year. Does yeah. it is it hard to to start writing with a partner if you're used to writing by yourself? Well, Louisa and I decided up front, we know each other well enough that we decided up front, she's going to write the first book, I'll do the second, she's doing the third. We're going, the series will be by both of us, but we'll each do a book on our own. Now, I, my three books that I wrote about um, the contemporary yachts, I wrote with a very good friend of mine who's a Denver writer who writes uh, sci-fi and fantasy, Aaron Ritchie. And... Uh, we nearly killed each other because we tried to write it together. You know, I'd write a chapter, then he'd write a chapter. And there were times I wanted to drive up 25 and kill him. That's how I felt. <laughs> <laughs> but we fortunately, we're still friends. Uh, we got him out. We're still friends. But, oh, man, that was that was really. Yeah, that's not that doesn't work for me. I, I now I learned that we did three books that way. Uh-uh. Well, you mentioned you mentioned you know plotting the book mm-hmm. uh, even yeah. when you're not actively writing it you're plotting it does that mean that you work from an outline or are you a pantser who just uses who plots in your head how does your process work well um, I if you look at the, the board behind me here if I can show it to you I oh, see sticky go. notes I see sticky, sticky notes, notes yeah. sticky notes yeah that's what it is it's sticky notes I have uh, a system where uh, I divide my books into four acts. And there's act uh, one, then there's 2A and 2B, the long middle that people, that people you know, grind their teeth over. And then there's <laughs> act three. And so um, I really like the long middle. I have a good time with it. I have the sticky notes. I know what's going to happen. But uh, when I write a romance, I need to get in that book and roll around in the mud with the characters. Mm. I, I have to get in there and every day I'm writing something or thinking about them. And once I get to that point and I know exactly who they are and how they're going to react to each other, then it goes really quickly. And uh, I don't do like really precise outlines. You can't because my characters often take off on tangents of their own. <laughs> they just decide to do something <laughs> And they leave me behind in the dust. And I'm like, where'd they go? So uh, I can't really outline precisely. It sounds like um, like a beat writer. Like the there's a book called Save the Cat. And it's less yeah, about... Yeah, yeah. This, 
Yeah. I use, that's my book. Uh, I use Save the Cat a lot. And I like uh, Gwen Hayes, who used to be an editor with Harlequin. She wrote a book of romance beats based on Save the Cat. And I use that. I, I swear, that's my Bible. And you can get that on Amazon. It's, it's a, a real simple, easy, fast read. And it's, it makes so much sense for people like me. Do you ever come up against writer's block? How do you handle yes. it if you do? I honestly don't think there is such a thing as writer's block. I don't. And I think, I think if someone truly is blocked and they're a writer and they really want to write, they need to get some therapy. And I'm not being facetious. I'm serious. Because if you're a writer and you have all these ideas spinning around in your head, you just, and, and I think some people think they're blocked because they don't sit their can in the chair and write. Put your hands on the keyboard and you will write. That's the key is don't think about it. And sometimes, have you ever had a big project that you procrastinated forever because oh, you were afraid? Yeah, afraid that's to, my life. <laughs> because you're afraid to start it. You're afraid. We're all afraid of failure. Uh, and it's, I think it's, kind of bound up in that but um like i say i just get in there in the mud with my characters and roll around with them and once i do then the story flows i know what it is because they tell me what it is they know my characters know what they want to do yeah it's and there's something about writing too we talk about fear of failure with if you, mm -hmm. if you feel you have failed at something like writing because it's such a personal thing Mm -hmm. um, that's one reason I think yeah. why bad reviews sting so much with something like writing. Cause it's like, <laughs> you know. Well, you know, I just, uh, uh, I went to a conference, an online conference and Eloisa James was the keynote speaker. And I, I just love her. And I thought that I was crazy because I make my writing partner read my reviews. I, I can't read them. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I can't because here's what happens if they're bad. You know, you feel like a piece of crap. Well, it's so if personal. It is. But here's the thing. If they're really good and they say, oh, my God, this is wonderful, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, oh, I'm pretty good. And then you can't write either. So I don't read them at all. And Eloisa James doesn't either. She says, don't read your reviews. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. That's good advice. Uh, um, I just I look at the averages on Amazon. If my if I had a three star average, I'd be worried and I would read them to see what I'm doing wrong. But so far, I haven't gone into the toilet. <laughs> my reviews <laughs> so far. Speaking of advice, what is a piece of advice that you would give to a beginning writer? Um, I think the most important thing I have about 13 or 14 different titles now on Amazon, uh, and they're all fiction. At the first book that I wrote, my first uh, romance novel, took me seven years to figure it out. Seven years. And writing fiction when you've been a, a journalist for so many years, is it's very difficult to switch gears. And I just went to every conference, every uh, class I could find. I, you know, I, I found a critique group, which really helped me a lot. And so, I th don't be afraid to ask for help if, if you're a beginning writer, because there's a lot of people who are, they're happy to help. They're, they want to help you. Just reach out and you need a group. You need a, uh, you need a posse. So find a critique group or join something like a, you know, a regional writers group 
or here in Colorado, we have the Rocky Mountain Fiction Writers, and we have the Pikes Peak Writers, both great groups, and uh, they've got people that will help you. And when you go to a conference, don't sit in a corner because you think nobody wants to talk to you. <laughs> go get yourself a Coke or a, a be some other beverage of choice and go just walk around and talk to people. And, you know, if you feel stupid, that's fine. Just try it. And there's so many people that really want to help you. Good advice. That's great advice. Yeah. That wraps up our, our primary interview portion. Now for a section we like to call Hot Six. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Buckle up, listeners. It's time for Hot Six. <sighs> Question one. What is the most overrated book you've read? Huh. I, you know, I don't. I can't think of one. I love everything I've read so far. I'm, I read all kinds of stuff. I read nonfiction. I read bestsellers, women's fiction. But overrated? I, yeah. If something is, if praise to the heavens and everybody on the planet wants to buy it and read it, I kind of hang back and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that is Fair perfectly enough. acceptable answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Question two. What famous literary work have you never read, but feel like you should have? Hmm. Ulysses. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Everybody think I know. <laughs> My poor husband actually bought it a few years ago when we went to Dublin because he thought he should read it. <laughs> and it's been like, oh, I'll bet, eight years, and he's still reading it. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> I right. know there must be something great in there, but I don't know what it is. Question three. If you could be any animal for one day, what would you be? Hmm. Raccoons. They are the most clever critters on the planet. They can get into a garbage can in 10 seconds flat, even if you uh, secure it. And they, they appear to have a really good time at night. <laughs> <laughs> so it reminds me, it's not about raccoons, but I saw somebody <laughs> asked a park ranger, why they're having such a difficult time inventing garbage dumpsters that bears mm -hmm. can't get into. And his answer was, well, we have discovered that the overlap between the smartest bears and the dumbest tourists is much larger than we <laughs> expected. So if we build it too difficult for bears to get into, there are too many humans who can't figure it out either. <laughs> well, we have them here in Colorado, and I i can't tell you how many times at a park or a hiking trail, someone will come up to me, how do you open that thing? Why is it built like that? I'm like, <laughs> well, the bears have figured it out. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Question four. What mm -hmm. is your biggest grammatical pet peeve? Uh, people who don't use commas. I hate that. Uh, and it's like, commas are important. <laughs> they can make a huge difference. But I, I have um, people who spell phonetically, which is really no fault of their own. They went through some kind of experimental thing when they were in grade school, probably. Poor things. But, yeah, commas and spelling phonetically. That's it. Okay, question five. Looking back over your entire lifetime. What is your most embarrassing favorite song? Okay, let's see. Like you like really secretly rocked out to this and people could would judge you. <laughs> Maybe. Oh yeah. Oh the 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 lion sleeps tonight. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. I, I did some really stupid things to that. <laughs> Whole another podcast. That's another that. phone call entirely. Yeah. <laughs> entirely. <laughs> Question six. What okay. is one thing you wish you could uninvent, as in it would no longer exist? Hmm. ATVs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, I mean, people drive them everywhere where I live, and they're very noisy. And the people who are driving them don't pay any attention to where they're going. They're just, yeah, I, I wish that someone would have thought a second time before doing that. <laughs> so maybe we just uninvent ATV drivers. Oh, that's, that'd be good. Too. <laughs> <Or two. laughs> <laughs> just kidding, ATV drivers. I know you're a large subset of our audience. <laughs> just so some sort of Venn diagram in there somewhere, but we'll mm -hmm. figure that yeah. out later. Mm -hmm. All right, Andrea, this has been so great. Thank you so much for joining us on Flock Talk. I really appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much, and uh, I hope to see you soon. Absolutely. Right, this has been delightful. You've been listening to Flock Talk, the podcast where we feature your favorite authors and narrators. Hosted by Craig Hart and Sarah Hannon. This podcast is produced by Pink Flamingo Productions. Editing by Craig Hart. Visit us today at pinkflamingoproductions.com.